It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program with you until 11 o'clock today, Illinois basketball this afternoon, a 3.30 tip-off in Evanston against the Northwestern Wildcats. We'll talk about that. We've got uh, four guests lined up for you today, including Scott Ritchie, who will be on the uh, beat for that Illinois-Northwestern game today. Jess Settles from BTN will join us to talk about some Big Ten basketball. Scott Docterman from The Athletic in Iowa City will be with us at 10 o'clock, and we'll check in with Illini golf coach Mike Small about 10.30, his season getting set to start, hopefully, next weekend. If they can get out of town, depending on what the weather is going to be like here, we'll see how that goes. Mr. Tate, how are you doing this morning? Doing good. You stepped out a little bit last night oh, to a high school night. basketball yeah. game? Yeah, yeah. Well, I went to Monticello and, and uh, saw two games. <laughs> Had a grandson, uh, Jacob, was, uh, was officiating the JV game. He just started into officiating, so I thought I'd come over and, and give him a look and then uh, – he got by without any booing and no trouble. And then the, the Monticello Varsity just uh, dominated St. Joe, um, fifty-seven to twenty-nine. I think the score was. I, my goodness, uh, that defense of Monticello just keeps uh, amazing me. Uh, just how efficient they are. They lost some games. They're they're what uh, twenty-one and three now. They've, mm-hmm. they've had three they losses. They lost two in a row. Two, two in a row, right yeah. before this. But they uh, they were home last night, and that was. Uh, 300 win for Roy, the coach, and and uh, that was uh, it was a good victory. It's always a good it's a, it's a good game between Monticello and St. Joe every year. This is one of the few lopsided games. So in the JV game, if uh, somebody decided to take issue with the official who happened to be your grandson, were you ready to <laughs> defend him? You ready to stand up and say, "Sit down there, Dad." <laughs> you know, uh, it was an easy game to work. I, I will say that it's a lot different than when you have. Two big old centers banging around <laughs> on each other, and you don't know what to call. It, it was an easy game, but he's he's working his way up, and that that's it's. You need officials in this mm-hmm. in this uh, area. They're they're uh, they're a little bit thin right now. We've got the phone lines open two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. If there's anything on your mind, you want to talk Illinois basketball, Big Ten basketball, whatever might uh, you um, whatever you might be thinking about on this Saturday morning, seven degrees. We do have sunshine and a chill factor of minus two, but doesn't feel bad out there. Not too windy. On the Big Ten schedule today, Michigan is at Michigan State. That's a big one. Finally, they're going to play. Michigan State uh, ranked number 10 in the country. That uh, game is at 1130. Indiana at Maryland at 130. Then uh, number 24, Illinois at Northwestern at 330. And then Rutgers at Nebraska at 530. So a lot going on there in Big Ten basketball. Then tomorrow, another big one, number 16, Ohio State, at number 6, Purdue. Yeah. That'll be a good, yeah, tough ball good, game. The second half of this season is going to be a lot different. I, there's just more good games, and, my, and Illinois faces more strong opponents than they did in the first half. And this is the um, this will be the 10th conference game for Illinois today, so right at the halfway 
mark, mm-hmm. and they're seven and two, and they've kind of kind of done that with mirrors so far. Well, yeah, considering we let's just say right now we don't know if Kofi's going to play today. Right. We don't think Corbello will play. Uh, you know, Kofi could come back, but he'd be doing so without any practice. Um, it's just a, a crazy season, and Illinois is not the only team in the country that's going through this. We're seeing it all over. The women right now, the Illinois women right now are, are not playing yeah, because of COVID, and, and we're just uh, it just kind of pops up uh, here, there, and everywhere. Yeah, they're kind of on hold right now. The women are with that uh, COVID outbreak. The Bulls uh, lost in uh, San Antonio last night, 132-121, to the return of uh, DeMar DeRozan to uh, mm-hmm. San Antonio, where he played three years. He had 32 points in the game last night. Right. Io had uh, 10 points, six rebounds, and three assists. Yeah, he's playing a series of games now like this that we would have been more than happy, uh, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season to see him do, and now he's doing it consistently. Yeah, he's in the starting lineup at the moment. Uh, so he's doing well, but did, did you notice, or not so much just in that game last night, but I noticed it last night, when they take him out and couple that with the two guys they've got already out, their defense goes, goes in the tank. I mean, that right? their on-ball defense is really bad. He's he's really good on, on defense, and uh, as you heard yesterday, uh, Brad Underwood said uh, Trent Frazier's better yeah, on that right. end of the court. He's pretty upset about Trent not being in that group of uh, yeah, finalists for he the should be. Naismith uh, Defensive Award. you got to let uh, – I don't know how you do it. Maybe the coaches don't have time to do it, but you got to find a different way to, to do that than just based on, okay, you're a reporter, but you don't see Steve Kelly at Gonzaga play very much. And let's look at his stats. Well, he doesn't have many steals. You don't, you don't know how good a defender he is. It's like trying to judge an offensive lineman after you've watched a game and right. you haven't really paid attention to that position. The only way you can determine how good an offensive lineman is or a defensive player is to watch him on every play every you know throughout a game and throughout games more than one. Guys have bad games, yep. just like they have bad shooting games. You know, everybody has them. Another college basketball note. Uh, looks like uh, our least favorite guy <laughs> is not going to. Uh, Who are you going to be talking about here? About uh, Mr. <laughs> Pearl. It looked like he was going to maybe uh, go to Louisville or at least have Louisville take a run at All him. All this proves is what I've always said, Steve. It pays to cheat. But I thought that would have been a match made in heaven. <laughs> Bruce Pearl at Louisville. That's right. They both have the same issues. They might go down together. But now, <laughs> now who, who knows? He might take Auburn down. But apparently Auburn is set to offer him a, an eight-year, quote-unquote, contract for life. Contract for life. And uh, so who does – Benny asks in a test, Do text, you know the, so who does Louisville get now? A guy that knows about the situation in Auburn tells me that the most – now get this – the most popular guy in town is Bruce Pearl. They love him. <laughs> so there, take that and smoke it. And other, <laughs> I'll take it and do something else with it. But uh, a lot of people think he's a great coach too. But well, he, he must be yeah, a good he, coach. He, I mean, it's pretty hard to argue that he's certainly a good recruiter. Yeah, and he knows how to recruit. And we've because. seen that. <laughs> we've seen that in the past. He knows what to do. Yeah, and Kenny, get away with it. Kenny Payne is the name I'm hearing at yeah. Louisville. Former yeah. Louisville player. He's assistant coach in the NBA. We need to get a hold of Dawson, Brett Dawson, down there on the Louisville paper, and 
have him tell us what's going on because, and, and I mentioned that to you earlier, we need to get him on because yeah. he's a new writer for the uh, Louisville paper and and uh, what's happening down there is, is of interest nationally. Well, since he left here, he's covered Kentucky. Mm-hmm. He, now he's going to cover Louisville. He covered uh, New Orleans and the NBA. He worked a, a bit at the University of Missouri School of Journalism. He's been around. He's been he? around. I don't know if he's is he still connected with that or not. Probably I not. I don't think so, but I don't know that. Yeah. So yeah, we need to get him on and catch up with him as well. Illinois wrestling today. Illinois takes on Northwestern at the State Farm Center at one o'clock. First four hundred people will get a white Illinois T-shirt. Are not gonna, are not a wrestling. Go, are you going to go over there and be one of the first 400? Well, I'm kind of busy, but uh, <laughs> you never know. It's a good-looking shirt. I'll go if you go. <laughs> maybe. No, I won't say that. I was going to say maybe you and I can wrestle. We could be, we could be the preliminary. Yeah, you win. I concede. <laughs> I saw you wrestle Mark Johnson, so I know how tough you are. Yeah, that didn't last long. And I also, <laughs> back in the day, wrestled Victor the Wrestling Bear. <laughs> At the Arcola Broomcourt Festival, and that one didn't take long either. So uh, I'm 0-2 in my, my wrestling <laughs> career, which is now over. But there was a big wrestling match last night I'll in the say. Big Ten. Number one, Penn State, yeah. at number two, Iowa, and Scott and that's Docterman. that's they finished. Well, it was a really close match. Scott Penn Docterman State, will join us to talk about something else at 10 o'clock, but we'll, we'll talk to him a little bit about that because he was there. He was there, yeah. He was reporting on it. I guess he was there unless he was watching it on TV. Well, could be, but I wonder what the crowd was like. Oh, well, packed, you know. Sold out to whatever. Do they do that in Carver-Hawkeye? I'm not sure where they do that, but uh, that'll be good I to find out. I can tell you this, and we'll ask Docterman when he's on. They are going to get a new wrestling uh, <laughs> building. Wrestling. You sound like wrestling. <laughs> that TV. Wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> you you want to wrestle? <laughs> Nine ten is the time. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. What else we got going here? The uh, NFL playoffs tomorrow, the Bengals and the Chiefs. Chiefs are favored by seven. And the 49ers and the Rams, with the Rams favored by three and a half. EIU named a new football coach this week, introduced him yesterday. Yeah. Former um, Eastern Illinois player, Chris Wilkerson, was hired by uh, Tom Michael and introduced to the public yesterday. And uh, tennis is uh, playing, uh, U of I tennis, today down in Oxford, Mississippi against North Carolina State. The Atlanta women's tennis team is playing today as well at Florida State. So some of the spring sports gymnastics, both uh, men's and women's gymnastics team teams are in uh, Happy Valley today to take on Penn State. So those Before you are- get off the, the tennis, though, uh, you saw where Bar- Barty won the uh- – the uh, Australian won over uh, Collins, the American, in the uh, in the finals in Australia. Right. And th- here's the interesting thing to me: second set, Barty was behind five to one, and won the set. That and, and, and that put her over the hump. Yeah. Nine twelve is the time we mentioned the Monticello St. Joe score fifty seven twenty nine. Here's a few of the other. High school scores, and you can read all about these games in the News Gazette this morning. Peoria beat uh, Champaign Central 51-30. to Peoria-Notre Peoria, Dame over um, Centennial 59-52, you were going to say? Well, no, I just Central's just not playing very well, no. that's all I can say. No. Uh, Peoria-Manual beat Danville 80-73. to 
Arthur Christian over Uni High, 61-48. Chillicothe uh, IVC over Rantoul, 63-59. Paxton Bubble, uh, Buckley Loda, 46. Olympia, 41. Unity beat uh, Prairie Central, 65-49. And a couple other scores. Uh, Mount Zion over Muhammad Seymour, 77-68. And Oakwood beat Cisna Park, 75-61 were there the scores in that ball game and the games last night. Some other ones there as well. Complete coverage in the News Gazette this morning. Phone line is open, 356-9397. Before we take our first break, let's uh, go to Florida. We're coming in loud and clear in Florida, and Jim is on the line with us. Go ahead, Jim. Good morning, guys. I'd like to talk a little football, maybe. I know it's off-season here, but last couple of days I saw uh, on Facebook – where the coaches, most of them have been out on the road within the state of Illinois because they were posting pictures of different high schools right. that they're out visiting in that. And I just wondered, get your comments on, did, I mean, to me that looked great. I mean, I haven't heard of the Lovey Smith or any other previous coaches doing that much effort into the local high schools. That's one question, if you guys comment well, on no that. Well, no question. Th- two, this, this is their uh, number one thing. I mean, they, from the day he arrived – Bilma's had his coaches in the, in the high schools, uh, and again they're they're doing it right now. Yes, and and yeah. Lovey didn't yeah. do that in ni- in 2020. Right. Lovey didn't bring in a single player from the state of Illinois, not one. All right, and I saw uh, Warren. I remember a column you had written it was probably several years ago now about uh, specifically recruiting the skilled players versus like the big linemen, and how at that time when you wrote it. You know, Illinois high schools were putting out, uh, you know, you could go recruit linemen, mm-hmm. but you were commenting on how, you know, you'll find the speed at the skilled positions in Florida, Texas, California, and that. Sure. I was wondering if you still think that's true. Therefore, oh, yeah. they still need to be out across the country recruiting. Well, yeah, you have to, you have to do both. I mean, yeah. but, but uh, to do one and not do the other is just silly. I mean, you have to do both. And uh, they've got to find some speed. There's not a lot of speed in the state of Illinois. And when there is that kind of speed, we look at Michigan or, or Ohio State or, or one of the other schools, Iowa, Wisconsin, you still got to beat them. It's not just because we want to get the players and, and make a statement that we're going to get the players from Illinois doesn't mean we're going to get them. Those other right. schools have had a lot of experience in here, have coaches who have been there who have been recruiting Illinois a long time. Some of those uh, staffs at Wisconsin and Iowa are have been around a long time, and that okay. they have advantages. Yep. And our people are just, you know, they're they're new to the coaches in the state of Illinois. They're brand new. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully they can uh, pull some uh, recruiting coups off here and get some of those guys to stick around. Yeah, we we need to. We're way behind in recruiting right now. We're still behind. Yeah. So okay. That that's where we are. <laughs> Got to figure yeah. out a way to win Thanks this. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. You bet, Jim. Thank you very much. Let's stay in the uh, state of Florida. Mark is with us. Go ahead, Mark. Hi. Good morning. Um, I want to talk about the NCAA uh, failing to rule on the uh, transgender uh, male comp- um, competing in women's sports, especially lately it's uh, the women's swimming and the uh, biological male dominating every event, and they fail to, you know, 
make a rule so that it can be fair competition. It's not fair to have a man competing against women. And you're a male if you have that extra Y chromosome. I don't know why they can't make a rule that says if you have the extra Y chromosome, you cannot compete regardless of what you identify as. Well, we, I think Steve and I agree with you. Uh, I don't know what we can do about it, but this is, we certainly agree that uh, it, it shouldn't, it, it's wrong to compete well, men against the, women. Well, and I thought the NCA, part of their charter, part of their mission statement is to ensure fair play. Mm-hmm. There's no way that it's fair for a man to compete against women and not being sexist, just stating facts. Um, that, that it seems that, to me, then it's their responsibility to make a rule. I would I would agree with you, but I <laughs> I don't know what we can do about it. Well, it seems like a little public pressure wouldn't hurt, and I can't understand why the women competing aren't speaking out unless they're just being cowered into silence to you know, and so that they're not. Well, some have spoken out, but uh, you know maybe. At this point, I I don't know. It's a subject that's way beyond my ability to deal with, except I do agree with you as far as I'm concerned. Men shouldn't compete against women. All right. Particularly in swimming. I I just wanted to make it. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to make it, you know, a, a subject of conversation because it seems like they just, you know, pass the buck and and are afraid to make any kind of ruling. Okay, Mark, we appreciate your uh, comments and your uh, you. opinions there. Thanks. Let's go to Steve in Princeton. Good morning, Steve. What's up? Well, I drove two and a half hours last night to Monticello to watch Ty Pence. And as I sat there during that game and watched him, he reminded me of a tall, slender kid 54 years ago that I saw in high school as a junior by the name of Doug Collins at Benton. And when I left last night, I'm thinking, if that's what Doug looked like then and then what he became, I'm glad I'm not a college recruiter because I'd have to look two or three times. And I think Lauren said the Illinois coaches went down and watched Doug two or three times and came back and said he can't play. No, no, no. No, no, no. Here, here's what we did. Four of us went down to see Collins play. I was in the car with Bob Brown and Dick Campbell and Harv Schmidt, and three of us told Harv that we didn't think he could play. He was a junior at that time. I think he was a junior. Now I may be wrong on that, but I. But we said no, probably not. We already had a pretty full recruiting class at the time. What happened the next day was Harv got in his car, went down by himself, and offered him. So Harv thought he could play. The rest of us didn't. I'll be darned. But I think Ty reminds me so much of Doug. He's got that tall, lean frame, quick slashing style to the basket. You know, he hit the boards pretty hard. But I'm glad I don't have to make that decision to project him three or four years down the road. That's what you got to do. If you got to know what he's going to be three or four years from now, because what he is now doesn't matter. It's all it's, it's all about projections. So, all anyway, right. but yep. I thought that was interesting last night. Good stuff. Thanks, yep. Steve. Appreciate it. And he's only a junior. So yeah, he's a junior. He's, he's still got, got time. time. He's Absolutely, got... he will fill out. He's he's slender, and he's listed at six six. So right. he, he isn't going to get any shorter. <laughs> Not yet, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right. He will maybe, later. <laughs> maybe 70 years from now. <laughs> it is uh, 920. need to take our first time out. We'll get Scott Ritchie on the phone and uh, talk some Illinois basketball. We'll keep the phone lines open, too, if you want to join us on the Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS.
Welcome back to the program, 922 with Lawrence 8, Steve Kelly with you, as usual, on the My My Fellas Saturday Sports Talk. Good morning to Scott Ritchie, who is on the basketball beat. He was actually on the high school beat a little bit last night. But, uh, Scott, how are you doing this morning? You ready for some more hoops? Yeah, just uh, getting a little pregame work done before I hit the road and make my way to Evanston for this afternoon's game. Before we talk about that, uh, let's talk a little bit about the game you saw last night and Ty Pence. Uh, that was one of the uh, uh, comments that we had right before the break. Uh, probably maybe wasn't the, the best game to, to see him as the, the team lost big in that ball game. but your thoughts of seeing him, uh, was it the first time you've seen him in person or not? Uh, this year. Okay. Um, and yeah, it was certainly not St. Joe's best game. and I mean, they scored about 29 points, and he had 17 of them, and he was fairly efficient. I mean, just, I think just under 50% from the field. Didn't make any of his threes, but you know, he uh, had to work for all 17 of those points, and you know, Monticello kind of hounded him a little bit, you know, doubled him quite a bit, and uh, just he couldn't do it all uh, last night. And it got to a point where, like, if St. Joe was going to compete, like he was going to have to. And that just it's not necessarily a recipe for success. People like comparisons. Does he remind you of anybody uh, at, at that point of his career, you know, a young uh, junior? I mean, that, that's tough. And, I mean, I like the things that he does. I mean, he's got – because he's got good size already and – He's six six and about you know, one eighty five, one ninety. I think um, can shoot it. Although I mean, he didn't shoot it well. You know, last night, you know, plays above the rim, uh, and I'm just not sure there's a great comp. But you know, I, when you watch him play, and I mean, maybe just I mean again, not last night, but you know, you can see why he's garnered you know you know the number of Division one offers he has, and it's just. Uh, I'm always, you know, curious to see, like, you know, where these, you know, maybe small town kids, just kind of how they continue to develop, just and what they can do, you know, when when they're playing maybe a more consistently tough competition. How do you see him comparing uh, with um, Quinn of Tuscola? Well, I mean, they're, they're different players. You know, Jalen's definitely a point guard, and Ty is definitely not. Um, that's and Jalen's got the benefit of being a year older, and he's played better competition. Uh, you know, I think you know, last summer playing with you know the Illinois Wolves and for Mike Mullins was great for him because you know he played against some of the top players in the country. Um, I think he's maybe a little better at this point. Jalen is, but that just could be the benefit of you know experience and again you know that that competition that he's played. Um, outside of his high school season, and it was unfortunate. Yeah, we didn't get to maybe see the the, the head-to-head matchup uh, that was supposed to happen maybe a week ago, and you know, the weather was bad, and Tuscola and San Joe didn't play. But that mm-hmm. would have been an interesting one. How do you? Uh, is any? Did they stack up as the best two individual players in the area, or not? Is there anybody else that belongs in there? Well, I mean, I really liked you know. Ben Kresip from Monticello last night. It was the first time I'd seen him play in person, and he's 5'9", but he finishes against, I mean, almost everyone's taller than him. He finishes against him at the rim. 
can shoot it. He's strong for his size. But uh, I think, you know, Jalen Quinn, Ty Pencer, is from a ability, skill set, level, you know, certainly the best two in the area. Okay, well, uh, any other thoughts about Monticello and their chances when the state tournament rolls around? I mean, I don't think they're out. They're, they're certainly in it. I think they've got a chance, and it's just they, they've got an older team. They don't get flustered that much, and they showed, you know, last night that even, you know, a team that's got a really good talent that, that's not going to be all that can beat them. Um, super patient offensively. You know, they, they, they really are that, aren't they? They pass that ball around a lot. Yeah, and it makes teams defend them forever. And mm-hmm. you get tired playing defense, and then one little lapse here, and they'll hit you with the back cut or you know, any uh, any number of different actions and get a really easy bucket. And I think you know, at the – the class that they'll play in, that, that that can take them a long way. Well, what do you see today? Well, I mean, I think it's going to come down to who's available for Illinois. If, if Kofi has cleared concussion protocol, because uh, I think Andre Corbello gave it away yesterday, I guess, uh, on Snapchat, asking if people, like, who knew you know, what channel BTN was on because he wanted to watch his guys. So that makes me think uh, – He's not going to be in Evanston. Yeah. Uh, but. Chance, uh, Kofi, chance for Kofi, isn't there? I mean, I think there is. But you just, with concussions, I mean, we saw with Corbello, you clearly never know. I mean, he was out for eight weeks. Um, Kofi's been out now for roughly two. Um, so we'll see. But I think, you know, there, there's a chance. We'll, we'll find out this afternoon you know, how much. But, uh I mean, Illinois beat Michigan State without both of those guys, so they certainly could do do it against Northwestern. But having Kofi is always better than not having him. This is the kind of game that can make a Illini fan a little bit nervous. Hmm. Uh, Northwestern had a significant lead on Illinois last year before the Illini went lights out in the second half, put up 53 points in the second half of what turned out to be a blowout. But uh, they've played some pretty decent basketball. They're only 2-7 and seven in the uh, Big Ten Nine and nine overall. They've been in most of the games until the last four or five minutes, and then they seem to to lose it down the stretch. And uh, your thoughts of uh, what you've seen from Northwestern, Scott? I think they have like pretty good individual talent. Like Pete Nance has just steadily improved throughout his career, and he's playing his best basketball, you know, as a senior. And you know, they've got two guards that can that can really score, and Boo Booey and Chase Audige. Um they can bring some some talent some talent off the bench, but they just can't seem to put all that individual talent together and, and win games on a consistent basis. And that's really the only thing that matters. And you know, yes, they've been in a lot of the games they've lost here in the new year, but if you can't figure it out in the last four minutes, it doesn't matter. Like they, got, they have the one win against Michigan State, and they've lost their other seven games and. Outside of Purdue, they've been close, but again, I mean, you have to come through down in, in kind of in those clutch time moments, and they haven't yet. And I don't know that they can. I guess until they kind of show that they can do that consistently, you just assume that they they won't be able to. 
Well, you certainly can't look ahead, even though I will tell you what the next three games are after the Northwestern game. It's to Wisconsin, at Indiana, at Purdue. So there's a key stretch coming, and but uh, the coach is not going to talk about th- that quite yet. He needs to take care of the business uh, today. Do you see that happening? I think, uh, what did you predict in the paper, about a 10-point win? Yeah, and at this point, who knows? My prediction record, as Jim Russell likes to point out every week, is suspect. Uh, but I think I think they go into Evanston and win, and they should go into Evanston and win, maybe even regardless if, if Kofi plays. If he does play, I bet. I think ten points could become become more. Right. Um, but I think they need to win this game. I mean, it's one that I mean, I get it's a, a Big Ten road game, but I don't think it's one that they can drop and you know, hope to you know, maintain their their spot kind of at the top of the league standings because they like you mentioned they have three tough ones coming and then you know later in the season there's a, another stretch of you know really difficult games and you pick off the quote unquote easy ones. Now when you can get them. All right, Scott, we appreciate your time. We'll let you get on the road there and uh, get all set up at uh, in Evanston for your coverage on the ball game. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Right. Thanks, guys. You bet. That's Scott Ritchie with us at nine thirty one, WDWS ninety three nine. We'll take a break and we'll talk some more Big Ten basketball when we come back. Stay with us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. It's 9.34 right now. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. With you, as always, until 11 o'clock. Illinois, a four-point favorite in that game today, which might indicate that Las Vegas thinks that Kofi's not going to play. Well, that's right. I mean, yeah. they're, they're trying to guess on Kofi, and they, yeah. missed, they missed the guess the other day, <laughs> but they tried to correct it by the tip-off time. That game changed by almost five points yeah, it did. in a matter of, uh, you know, a couple hours. It went down from five and a half to a point and a half there at yeah. the very end. So yeah. uh, a lot can happen, but uh, that's why they play the games. And we're going to talk more about uh, that game in Big Ten basketball with uh, Jess Settles from uh, BTN. Good morning, Jess. How are you? Hey, good morning, fellas. That's why I never gamble, and I know you guys don't either. I, 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 there's no way. I, we work too hard for our money to have a guy in Vegas tell us who's going to win the game or not. I agree with that. Uh, you kind of just look at the uh, the margins just for the heck of it, but uh, it's funny, though. If you, if you do follow it much, and I don't, and I don't gamble, but they're right more than they are wrong. That's that's for sure. Well, they, yeah, they have to. It's their business. If I know. They're, if they're, but the 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 money down is what the money bet is right. what determines the spread. You know, uh, so uh, it's the betters that do it. But Jess, what do you see in the Big Ten this year? Can Illinois hang in there? Uh, they have a wonderful team, don't they, fellas? They're you know they're beat up like everybody else, and and this is the second year where you just never know who's going to be in the lineup, and yet those kids have so much heart and toughness and. They uh, when they get their squad back together, uh, they're they're not unbeatable, but they're going to do a lot of damage, and uh, they've got an extremely high ceiling. Uh, a lot of guys who can shoot the three. I've been just impressed, uh, very impressed with Plummer. I didn't see him being that good coming into the year. I, I watched the Iowa game, and you know that late in that second half, it seemed like he beat Iowa by himself. Um, all kinds of weapons around Kofi. Kofi's gotten so much better. And Trent Frazier, you know, the old man is uh, is having a lot of fun and what a great development he's had over his career and the maturity that he's had. So, yeah, they got a wonderful team, but the league's really tough. Uh, Northwestern has a really good team. Their record's lousy, but they have a very good team. So you tip it up and you see what happens. Speaking of uh, Trent Frazier, 
Uh, Brad Underwood, as you may have heard, kind of went off a little bit yesterday and said he was, quote, ticked about the fact that uh, Trent Frazier was not included on the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year list. And uh, what are your thoughts about that? And and how difficult is it for people that vote on that to, to actually get accurate information? Should should it be done differently? Should they pull coaches and even players on an award like that? Right. I mean, when it comes to all these polls and college sports and these committees, and Lauren, you've been doing this longer than anybody, you, you know some of those guys haven't even watched the game. And so they're calling a few guys, and then they're putting their list together. And, yeah, it, it needs to be changed. Um Obviously, the coaches are always going to kind of overhype their guys a little bit, um, fight for their guys. That's what Underwood's been doing his whole career. But I, I would uh, I would agree. I mean, the, the local media who watch the teams play, uh, the players obviously know who the best defenders are, who the toughest guys to guard are. Um, yeah, I, I think it, it should change. But I think it's the same way in football. Even even when they do the coaches' polls, you've had coaches who have retired who have come out and said, you know, I've never even watched those teams play. I just have the secretary fill out the list. So it's kind of right. It's kind of a joke. That's what the sports information directors do. <laughs> they make right. those lists and the coach signs it. But uh, how can I compare a guy from Florida with a guy from Washington? I mean, how, how do I know right. – you know, defensively. Uh, and if I don't watch somebody specifically with that in mind, I could watch a game, and, and maybe this is just me, but I could watch a game and not really know who the best defensive players were. You know, because right. I'm, yeah. I'm looking at the offense all the time. And you know what? Uh, before piggybacking that, before a game I called a few games ago, we were talking about just the best defensive players in the Big Ten. And you know, there's an all Big Ten defensive team, but then there's also a defensive player of the year. So my point to the producers and to the play-by-play guy, and I said, well, how in the world can you compare Kofi Coburn um, or EJ Liddell or Bingham at Michigan State or Trace Jackson Davis to Frazier or Wheeler at Ohio State? Perimeter. How, how do you? How can you say one guy has a bit bigger impact to be player of the year defensively as a center compared to a point guard? Mm-hmm. And you can't. Like you can't say Daryl Morsell is the defensive player of the year last year, and that yet he's a better defensive player than Kofi or Bingham or Trey Jackson, who are rim protectors. Because mm-hmm. a lot of guys would take the rim protector. So I'm. I'm like, for me, it's like I like to award and reward these kids. And coaches, I'm big on that. I'm not a participation trophy guy, but when somebody is excellent at something, um, they should be rewarded. Uh, I, I think they should give it to a, 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 guard, a point guard, a defensive point guard, a wing defender, and a center. I think there should be player, defensive player of the year for all three slots. And I'm also big on, you know, with the transfer portal now, I think there should be a Big Ten freshman of the year, and, I, and, I, and maybe that's just changed and I've missed it, but I don't think the league has a newcomer of the year because you can't compare a true freshman to a six-year guy who transferred who's been at nine different schools. <laughs> That's right. Right? So, I, I don't, right? so I'm with you. Like, who? Well, I'll tell you another one. Jess, I'll tell you another one that bugs me is that we count freshmen as a guy that has redshirted his freshman year and comes back and plays the next year and is considered a freshman. Now, that's not he's fair not either. Freshman. He's not no, a freshman. he's not a freshman. Exactly. So, no, that needs to be changed. If you're one year removed from high school, you're a freshman. If you're two years removed, you're a newcomer. And even Keegan Murray, <laughs> okay. who's had a wonderful year at Iowa, and it's going to be an All-American, it's going to be a lottery pick, came out of nowhere. Well, he went to prep school in Florida, mm-hmm. and he spent that year 
he told me a month ago, playing in scrimmages against a lot of junior college teams down in Florida in the Daytona Beach area. Mm-hmm. And he said, I was going up against sophomore, freshman, sophomore college, mature, chiseled kids in a lot of practices and scrimmages. And he goes, I, it made me tougher and better and more physical. And I knew I could play at the next level. Well, he's not a freshman when he comes to Iowa. He's a newcomer. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, Lauren, you... They just need to send send the forms down to you. You'd get it all cleaned up. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing that's interesting to me. It would would Demonte Williams be playing for Illinois if he wasn't really good on defense? Because he isn't very good on offense. I mean, there must be a reason why he's in there, right? It must be defense, and we know it is defense. It's defense rebounding. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, there's a guy right there. You know that he's in just strictly for defensive reasons. Yes. Yeah, no question. And and um, what high praise from Tom Izzo about his performance against Michigan State. That I mean, regardless of you know, Illinois is probably going to be up and down here with with the injuries and protocol. It's just it's tough to put together a seven game play well, everybody healthy type of deal right now. But that that Michigan State game is going to just loom so large for them on the resume as the year goes forward. And to not have Corbello, to not have Kofi, but the re- one of the main reasons they won that because of Williams. And he got it done when it had to be done. It was an excuse game. We don't have our guys. We're playing Michigan State. He didn't make excuses. He just got it done. So you need some guys like that. The exciting thing for Illinois is what he shoot, 60% from three last year? Yeah, he did. He, you know, he, he, could, he could find that. And uh, when, they, when they get it all together, they could really be special because they have some weapons, and not all their weapons are shooting it well right now. Talking to Jeff Settles from uh, Big Ten Network. We're at about the halfway point of the uh, conference race in the Big Ten. Who do you like? Who, who's, who do you think at this point is the best team in the league? It would be – I couldn't answer that. Uh, the, the first team that kind of popped in my mind was I think Wisconsin's got a really good team and they're veterans, and they just find a way to win, and they're very good at punishing you for your mistakes, and they don't turn it over. It's the same formula, right? They don't turn it over. It's the old Bob Knight, Bo Ryan. They don't foul. They don't turn it over. They make their free throws, and they they usually win. Now, that being said, Michigan State went into their house the other night and woodshedded them, and then Michigan State lost Illinois, as you know, without Illinois' two top guys. Um, EJ, Liddell, and Ohio State are pretty sneaky to me. I mean, they're a little bit undersized. But they've got some very skilled players. A healthy Illinois team is going to be right there at the top. Um, well, Jess, and, let me ask you: You were a center. Yeah. Have you seen a yeah. team with with two better with two centers like Purdue? Well, just, just sarcastically, just like the year before and the year before and the year before. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, aren't, these guys are a little better. Aren't, I mean, Edie's got better. He's gotten so much better. And I, I, I told my dad a couple nights ago. I've covered them a few times that I, I think they've got the most talented team in the league. Um, they are, they are, they have a loaded team. Those two centers, if you see them courtside in person, you can't believe how huge they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are massive. And, and then their point guards played well against Iowa the other night. That, that's where they've been struggling. Mm-hmm. Ivy is obviously an elite player in the open court. They're not a consistent. Sometimes the numbers don't tell the whole story. They, you know, their rebound margin is good. But they get beat on the glass at a lot of critical times, which is, which is a red flag for them. And sometimes Ivy doesn't shoot it very well. I think he missed five free throws against Iowa the other night. So they, they've got some weaknesses. But, you know, since none of us gamble, but if we were forced to gamble, 
I think Purdue's probably got the best team in the Big Ten. Well, uh, as you uh, look at this Illinois-Northwestern game today, tell us what, what we should expect. Well, Northwestern's been an enigma. They have – you guys may have the numbers in front of you. I, I, Dave Refson has been saying this for you know a couple months. I think they're let, – let me throw this out there. I think they're like six or seven and 30-ish over the last couple of years in games decided by five points or less or in overtime. Yeah, that's – They are a team that is always there, Steve and Lauren. Yeah, they're they're yeah. always there. And they chase Audis can beat you. And Ryan Young is a physical kid. And Nance is a, is a skilled big man. They – it's not, you know, at this point of the year, you say, well, if Northwestern beats it, you got to consider an upset. But the coaches don't think that way. This is not a team like Nebraska that's just really struggling and maybe would have to get really hot to beat you. Northwestern has taken a ton of teams to the wire, including an impressive win at Michigan State, a game I called. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to come down to Illinois' defense is going to have to play another stellar game. And obviously, if Kofi's there, that's going to be big problems for Northwestern. If not, it's probably going to be a going to be a dogfight. Back to Northwest, I mean uh, Michigan State, real quick. Jack Ebling told me he said, "You know, we've been playing a series of marginal games, and then all of a sudden we lost to Northwestern." Well, the reason why he said it, we we just uh, we just had played too many games like that, and and finally one got away. Do you see it that way? Yeah, I I think so. They. Michigan State, um, they're um, they're not missing one guy, but they're they're just uh, they're just maybe a piece away or from finding it or it's I don't know I don't know how to describe that, but they had just a they had a massive win at Wisconsin, and then obviously the game at Illinois without your main guys they they let that one slip away, but um, don't right every co- I, I, the most rewarding win in the Big Ten is when you beat Michigan State, mm-hmm. and guys they won't say that publicly, but privately all the coaches and players. Who do you want to beat the most? What's the most rewarding win? Michigan State. So everybody gets up for them. Jess, where are you living these days, and what keeps you busy besides uh, your work at the BTN? I'm still living in the great state of Iowa, and you know, still farming with my dad and uncle, and planting corn and soybeans, and still got a lot of grain in the bin. That's good because the prices are going up. So I need that. <laughs> everything's good then, right? <laughs> everything's good. It's uh good uh, got three girls and wife's doing well and it's fun to uh be covering the big 10 and it's fun to be talking to you guys well we appreciate your time and uh, we'll do it again before the season's over if that works out for you anytime thanks fellas you bet thanks, jess jess settles yeah, with thanks. us from uh, btn here on illini pella saturday sports talk it is 9 47 we'll take a break phone line is open 217-356-9397 if you'd like to uh, join us feel free to do so after this and, of course, it's Illinois basketball this afternoon. The Illini at Northwestern, a 3.30 scheduled tip in that ballgame. Pre-game coverage begins at 1.30 with the birthday boy, Scott Beatty, working on his birthday today with the Illini game day coming up with uh, Lauren Tate, Evan Kahn, and others at uh, 1.30 here on News Talk 1400 and Light Rock 97.5. Then uh, Illinois comes home to take on Wisconsin Next Wednesday night at the State Farm Center and News Talk 1400 has a chance for you to win a pair of basketball tickets for that ball game. If you're interested in that, go to our Facebook page, register to win at the, the top of the page where you'll see a spot for a contest there. And you might uh, be the lucky winner of a couple of tickets to see the Badgers 
and the Fighting Illini next Wednesday night. So four games on the Big Ten schedule today, as we mentioned off the start. Uh, Illinois is game number three in that run. There's a college football game today, an all-star game that has some Illinois guys oh, in well, it. Oh, a bunch of them. Yeah, this game being played at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, kicking off at 5 o'clock Champaign time on NFL Network. It's the National Football League Players Association Collegiate Bowl. Blake Hayes, Doug Kramer, James McCourt will play for the American team. Both kickers, both Illini kickers. Mm-hmm. And Rod Perry and Brandon Peters will play for the national team. So they're not all on the same mm-hmm. uh, all-star team, but that's uh, coming up uh, later on today. So Ed Bond is checking things out with us. He's listening as the Illini go through their walkthrough this morning up at Evanston and uh, getting set for that ball game this afternoon at 3.30. Had a text about uh, the health and safety protocols. This is a new term, like mm-hmm. a lot of terms are in the last couple of years. What constitutes a medical term? It is, and what constitutes that? And it could be anything. Uh, you could be in that for a concussion. You could be in that for COVID. It depends on what your ailment is, and right. Obviously, and and if you have a concussion, there's there's certain things that you have to meet. Certain standards you have to meet over time. It you know it, my, what you do when you get up in the morning might be different from what you do after you've been on the, maybe uh, if you've run uh, and, and worked up your energy level and, and how you respond to that. It's it's a whole different, and, and it's all medical, so I shouldn't even get into it. And that's why we don't know much about it, because yeah. it's pretty well. Well, it is kind of new to us, too. I it mean, is. We, we haven't, <laughs> I've been here covering sports a lot, a lot of years, and I'm sure that the medical people have been involved all this time, but this is the first year that we've ever had anything resembling the number of problems and the and the length of the problems that we're having. We've had guys with concussions that come back in three or four days in the past. And what it does, you can Maybe see, the, you can see with Brad Underwood, it gives him uh, an opportunity not to talk about it because well, he, yeah. he just and he that, that's fine because he can't. And uh, if he was talking about those those injury questions every time, they, <laughs> that'd get a little bit old, I'm sure. But Illinois is not the only school that this has affected, but uh, it's getting to a point now where I think they've had, they have not had their entire roster available yet. Well, they won't. I know all, they won't. All season. They've Hutcher, got Hutcherson out, Hutcherson but, but he wasn't be. really much of a factor when he was eligible. Goody missed the one game in Kansas City with a, that's mm-hmm. the closest they got to it because Hutcherson was still quote unquote well, we available then. We haven't seen then. the real Corbello at all. That's true. And I, it doesn't look to me like we will this Well, season. we saw what we think is him in in the Purdue game. Yeah, that was a one yeah you know one night deal, and and I don't know if he can, you know, if he can do anything like of that nature uh, on a consistent basis. That's that's what Illinois needs. If he's going to be playing inconsistently, it affects the team in uh, for in the games that he's not there because. As we saw in the beginning, they were leaning on him, and when he wasn't there, they looked awful. And then when they had a chance to play several games without him, they began to play better because each, each, the roles were different. And I think when uh, that's when uh, you you got to remember that in the, in this in the Marquette, I'm sorry, the Cincinnati and Kansas State games, Frazier didn't have a point in either game. He was zero. 
he was, I don't know, I mean, he was injured, and he wasn't yet what I would call taking over, but he has since kind of taken over the team. By the way, that Marquette game is looking better and better. I mean, the, the yeah. way they're playing. I mean, if you look at what your opponents do and, and such, I'd I still like to get another shot at them. <laughs> well, yeah, with Kofi. Yeah. yeah. And, and you, who knows? You could see something like that in the NCAA tournament if they, uh, if they see, both if, make... if I'm on the committee and, and, I'm, and I got the Illinois stuff on the board, the, the Marquette game is not going to mean much to me in terms of judging. Number one, it's way too early. And number two, Kofi wasn't there. Right. So those things, I will, I would, and maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't be on the committee because I put more emphasis on games in February than I would a game in November. Okay, true. I would, and maybe I shouldn't. I mean, maybe that, maybe when they put it up there, every game means the same regardless of when it was played. But it wouldn't to me. Well, we feel the same way along those same lines. I wouldn't put out a top twenty-five until January one. You, then you'd have a better idea, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. And you know what? The problem with the early season uh, top 25s is that it's very, once you're in at a certain level, it's really hard to move up dramatically from there because uh, people haven't, you know, once, once, you're, once you're set, let's say you're set at 25, it's really hard to move up to where maybe you, as 25, you should have been 10 right. instead of 25, and, and then you move up a lot quicker, higher couple of texts on our text line here with all the basketball players and athletes in, in general really uh, granted an extra year of eligibility because of COVID. Could Grandison and Hutcherson play next year? And the answer is yes. Yes. If, if they but I, so But choose. I'm told that Grandison uh, has no intention of playing right. another year. That's what I'm told. Well, he could make some money. Um, but people change their mind too. Sure. And Hutcherson, money overseas. Hutcherson might have eight or nine years of eligibility <laughs> left. <laughs> I don't know what he's. Poor I guy. Mean, he's, I mean, he's, he's, he's missed just, enough. He just, yeah. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with him. Too bad you can't stockpile all those years you miss. But uh, And the other one was, have you heard much about potential changes to the Big Ten football divisions? And funny you should ask, because yeah, our next guest. Scott Docterman about that in about five minutes. Yeah, he uh, broke the story of. Uh, and uh, actually put one of the big stories out in The Athletic about that, and we're going to talk to him about that coming up at the uh, top of the hour. And the folks at Illini Pella Windows and Doors want to help you find the perfect window or door for your house. Whether you're looking for new or replacement windows or doors, visit the showroom. It's located at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. That's where you can see all the products right there in person. Discover the beauty of those wood windows, the ease of the the between-the-glass blinds, and the durability of fiberglass entry doors. Pella is rated number one in Champaign by homeowners for the window brand that can improve the value of your home. I've got one coming from my house in Savoy next week. I think I'm going to get that and have that installed from the Pella window store folks. And the experts there know all about what type of window or door works best for each unique home. And working with the uh, Illini Pella team is an easy process. They'll be there to help you right uh, from picking out the product all along the way from uh, the shopping and deciding what you want and the installation as well. So visit the showroom to get started, 1001 North Country Fair Drive. Say hello to uh, Mike Mary, Luke Mary, and the other guys out there at the Pella Window Store in Champaign. They're also in Danville and other locations around central Illinois. Check the products out online at PellaOfChampagne.com. 
They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday, by appointment. Jelani Pella, the Pella Window Store. We've hit the top of the hour here. We'll take our break and begin hour number two after this. Stay with us here on DWS. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the program, everybody, at 10.01. We're headed towards 11 o'clock on a busy Big Ten basketball Saturday. The Illini in Evanston to take on uh, the Northwestern Wildcats this afternoon at 3.30. Steve Kelly and Lauren Tate with you until 11 o'clock. Happy to welcome back to the program Scott Doctorman from The Athletic out in Iowa. Good morning, Scott. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. How are you this morning? Good. Uh, Lauren likes to call... College wrestling, wrestling, and uh, there was a big wrestling match last night, wasn't there? And I was literally, let's start with that before we start talking about football. Uh, uh, Penn State won a squeaker there, number one against number two, right? Yeah, it was a pretty, it was a pretty big match across the board. I mean, Iowa had a twenty-nine dual winning streak. I think Penn State's was up to twenty-three or twenty-four, and uh, and they pulled out a big win uh, in Carver Rock Arena, which was sold out. The secondary market. Had tickets at what one hundred dollars plus for wrestling, and uh, it was quite the atmosphere. And uh, but I, I have a feeling that these two teams will meet up uh, a few other times, or at least a lot of those wrestlers at the Big Ten tournament, and then eventually the national tournament. Well, we want to, we want to talk some Big Ten basketball with you as well, but we're going to start with football and uh, the story that you uh, broke this week about uh, consideration of maybe doing away with the divisions in Big Ten football and uh, just going to no divisions. Uh, Let's get your thoughts on that, and what what have you heard, and what how, how do you think it's going to go? Yeah, this is a really interesting topic because you're talking about uh, you know whether or not they're going to do away with divisions, the geographic divisions anyway, uh, completely, and then uh, then what ta- what takes its place? And you know, part of this is that they had to to make some adjustments to the schedule. There were six different teams or six different games in the COVID year of 2020 where they played in back-to-back locations. And so uh, those games had to be uh, reshuffled every year. And going into the 2023 season, you've got a combination and kind of a confluence of so many different factors. One is the alliance uh, that's proposed with the, the Big Ten and the ACC and the Pac-12. Another one is that they've got to go for the, the – com- uh, the discussion of media rights agreements and what those types may look like, uh, whether you go from nine to eight games. And then there's been all kinds of discussion when it comes to geographic divisions. Now, when you look at the the Big Ten in regular season play, it's not that out there, outsized. I mean, the East leads the West 77 to 70 in regular season play. But then when you look at the championships, that's a different ball game altogether. But I think what you also have to remember is Ohio State would make any arrangement look um, oversized, uh, outsized because it's 18 and two in regular season play and five and zero in the championships. So it's it's a fascinating debate because some of the teams in the East, specifically Penn State, would like to have 
uh, uh, redone divisions or divisions eliminated altogether. And then the discussion is if you're going to eliminate uh, the division set up now, maybe everybody should just get, say, three permanent rivals and uh, cycle through everybody else, you know, two years on, two years off. And and so it's it's a big debate, and you got the college football playoff into it too. So uh, there's a lot of really good discussion going on right now among the athletic directors and the Big Ten administration. Well, I, I'm going to ask you uh, which way you think it's going to go. But first of all, the West has got seven schools that probably none of whom want to see uh, – all of whom would uh, prefer status quo, don't they? I mean, why would anybody in the West want to change? You know, that, that's a great point, um, except, you know, here a couple of factors that you don't really think about is in the East you've got teams like Maryland, Rutgers, and, and Indiana that I would say mm-hmm. um, yeah. are at or near the level of some of the other, you know, the, where they're – I won't say they're easy wins, but I think competitively that they're below year in and year out a lot of the West teams. And so if you're playing them with more regularity, maybe you're not getting as many wins. And then likewise – uh, I think if you're the Eastern teams, if you're uh, Michigan or uh, Ohio State or Penn State, you're guaranteed a lot of those games most years are, are victories. So I think in some ways it spreads it out even a little bit better. But as you said, in the West, one thing I love about the West division is I think you've got a lot of, of almost ancient rivalries with Natural. the exception of Nebraska. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, you know as well as anyone, Lauren. I mean, you know, you could pick any series among the six um, older ones, mm-hmm. and there's something from the past that you draw on. I mean, if yeah. you're Iowa, Illinois, you could throw on the apple throwing incident mm-hmm. in 18, 1952 that where the teams didn't play for 15 years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I can't Iowa, talk about that, by the way, because. Rocky Ryan told me the next time I wrote about it, he's going to punch me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I get a big story on that. One, by the way. That, was, that was a really interesting one. Yeah, yeah but uh, anyway, I I just uh, I just can't imagine how this thing's going to wind up. And you got so many options between no divisions, new divisions, uh, eight teams, uh, schedules. Uh, you know, uh, do they really? I mean, what's the value? Tell me, what's the value of this alliance thing? I mean, is, does does Iowa want to play Oregon State or, or you know, Arizona State or you know, what's what's the value of this uh, new alliance? I think that's it's very limited for the Big Ten. I do like the fact that it adds a little bit of variety. Iowa is is kind of a, a in an unfortunate situation in that that with nine league games plus an in-state rival that's non-conference mm-hmm. in Iowa State, it right. doesn't really have a lot of variety. So that kind of stinks for Iowa in some places, where, whereas uh, there's no you know, Nebraska State, and then even Illinois' in-state rival is Northwestern, and that's in the same conference. So, uh, so it, does, uh, it would allow them to do that a little bit. But I look at the Big Ten, and I think, why are you – you're almost lowering yourself uh, to go alongside the Pac-12 and the, and the ACC, and – and if you're going to limit the number of games within the schedule, uh, even if you keep the divisions, uh, if you're, you know, I'll use Iowa as an example, would you rather play Michigan State with more frequency or go to go to NC State or Washington State? And after a while you go, you know what, I'd rather play that team that we have a history with. So that, that's a really interesting question. And, and, I, and I know that all of these angles are getting a heavy amount of debate because they're, they're just, there's so much there. I mean, Penn State's angle is, it has a major roadblock every year to Indianapolis and Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And if Ohio State was in the West, everybody would have a major roadblock with them. So, 
this in some ways it would make it more fair and equitable that everybody would have that opportunity and and you look at outside of ohio state you know the upper echelon the last seven eight years teams like penn state michigan wisconsin iowa they're all pretty comparable in their results so i think there'd be an equal opportunity it's just uh but you don't want to lose what you already have and the big 10 is so historic as we know and there's so many great rivalries but that's why i think it's it, it, it really is getting a lot of robust discussion. Well, I know the discussion is strong, and I, I can't figure out which way they'll go. I, mean, I can't imagine. Uh, I just see uh, two sides that are kind of bucking each other, and I would think that the West still has those seven votes. I mean, I, I would think the West would want to keep things pretty much the way they are. I, mean, I may be completely wrong on that, but I can see why the East would want to change. Any, any, if I'm in a division with Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State, I want out. Well, you're looking from yeah. the West point of view of a better chance to make it to that championship yes, game. Yes, that's what I'm looking at. Yeah. Yes. Just the, 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 the Illinois may never reach that championship game, and they haven't in the eight times so far. But Northwestern has. But Northwestern yeah. won two of them, yep. got there twice, and uh, I think that is about the limit to what that some of the teams in the West could hope for, Minnesota, Illinois, uh, you know, that, that we could even get to that game. That would be a success. Uh, and winning the thing is beyond, you know, you, that'd be a, a whole other level that we really can't. I don't see anybody from the West winning that as long as Ohio State stays as strong as they are and Michigan coming on. What's your thoughts? What's your preference now? You've studied it. You've written about it. You've talked to people. What What do you think is going to actually happen? Well, you know, my pre- actually my preference in some ways is agnostic. That I can see it. I can see the pluses enough in each way that I can say, okay, I got to get it. I do think that they'll go divisionless. I think there is enough of a of a push there that to protect the the key and important rivalries for each program, and then and then you get a more of a true rotation because if if uh, you get three teams, you protect, then you cycle through the other ten teams two years on, two years off. Mm-hmm. So you don't have situations like Illinois, Indiana, where this is the first year that they're going to Bloomington since 2013. You just don't want that mm-hmm. in your league. But and so I do think that that's that's a, a key, and 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 in some ways I would say you're with Illinois or or any of the other schools in some ways you, you sell yourself short because you might get that year. I mean, if Illinois, let's say your, your every year rivals are Northwestern Purdue and, and let's say Indiana, for instance. Mm-hmm. And then, then that year where maybe you don't get Ohio state in the regular season and you put everything together and, and you get an upset or two, you get like the Penn state game this year. Maybe you beat a Wisconsin like you did a couple of years ago. You might end up in the championship game and because and maybe you're a few of the other crossovers are, Maryland and Rutgers, or you know, or you get a you know Nebraska, which you know Illinois has had some success against. So, so the two teams I, in the championship would be the top two teams in in the league standings. Yes, exactly. Okay. So it'd be if eight games, you know, now you're going to have your tiebreaker factors, and that's getting really into the weeds that they'll have to worry about later. But you know, you have an eight, let's say an eight no Ohio State, and you have two teams that are seven and one, Illinois and Iowa. But Illinois won the non conference or the conference matchup, and Illinois would go to Indianapolis. And you'd have that, you know, great game. And, and so, I, you know, Indiana would have had that type of situation in 2020. So it happens. It doesn't happen with regularity, but it doesn't anyway now because, like, Wisconsin has been so strong. So I think they'll end up going that route. Uh, and the alliance factors in. But also the college football playoff is a big factor because um, I don't know that if they, if they stick with four teams for a long period of time, 
I'm not so sure it's advantageous for an Ohio State because when you look at these alliance matchups, I mean, Ohio State always plays at least one really big non-conference game. Mm-hmm. And if they play a Georgia or somebody like that in the non-conference, and then you, they, they throw them a, a Clemson, too, uh, in the alliance, and then they're also playing Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, maybe their crossovers are Wisconsin or Iowa. You know, if they lose two games, which is totally possible, they wouldn't be in the playoff because no two two lost teams ever been in the four-team playoff. But if yep. you get 12 teams and you get the opportunity as one of the top four to get a bye from one of the top four conferences, then it doesn't matter who you play in the non-conference and TV will eat it up. So, uh, And then the TV factor is the Big Ten's media rights deal ends after this fall. So some of those, you know, the TV networks might say, we would rather have five humongous days like Michigan, USC, and Penn State, Oregon, and and and, and then sacrifice uh, some conference games rather than uh, than worry about you know okay I was playing Wake Forest who cares uh, so that's a real it is that's what makes it so fascinating to see all the discussions getting involved here but they do have a little bit of a timetable I think they really want to decide it you know probably by midsummer and be my guess well you kind of swung me over here to the divisionless idea. Uh, I think I can see what the the point is that it would be advantageous maybe for Illinois in certain years for that mm-hmm. particular uh, setup. Um, but uh, is that what Iowa wants? I think the West Division is just absolutely perfect for Iowa. It plays all of its major rivals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's yeah, historic rivals um, on the borders, of course, with with Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Northwestern, plus Nebraska has started to become a really heated series. And, and Purdue, there's a lot of history. So I don't know that Iowa itself would want to switch from that, but I don't think Iowa would stand in the way if that's the way everybody else wanted to. And, and uh, you know, but I think one of the f- interesting factors with all of this is in, in the, the schools in the middle, and Illinois would count for that, the, the, the Indiana schools, their rivalries go both ways. They don't necessarily go, in Iowa's case, it's all around them. In Illinois and Indiana and Purdue's case, they're on both sides and even north. So, it, you know, in basketball especially, that's the case. So why would uh, – I don't know that it would be to anybody's benefit to, to, to those limit those opportunities, on, you know, in the rivalry perspective. So I, it would be tough because some teams have more than three rivals uh, that they would want to play every year. I think Iowa-Illinois has been a really fun series. Um, and, and one of these years, you know, when Brett really gets them going, which I think he will, um, it's going to be some really heated games. And, and same thing with Iowa Northwestern all these years. But that would probably be one that would be on the shelf. And, and uh, so I, I think the, the discussion is going to be really fun to, to kind of follow. But uh, I, I, would, I would guess they're going to lean towards uh, eight teams, divisionless, um, eight, eight, and then play some alliance games in the middle. Talking to Scott Docterman from The Athletic. Um, if the playoffs expand, or maybe when the playoffs expand, uh, couldn't the weekend that is now used for conference championship games be better used? And I realize why there are conference championship games. With It's a money grab with all the TV money, but how do you think that might affect those kind of games? Do, we, do you really need a Big Ten or an ACC or an SEC championship game? Well, you hit the nail on the head when you said you know, talked about the revenue because yeah. that's that's a huge component in that. But I think there is a way where you could do that. And my colleague Stuart Mandel wrote a really interesting, thought-provoking piece about that kind of situation, which is why not 
move the season up to the week zero week, you know, the one that Illinois and Nebraska kicked off this year, and then have your championship games uh, the the weekend after Thanksgiving. I mean, we all in Big Ten country remember when the season ended the Saturday before Thanksgiving. Well, now you can have it the championship game after Thanksgiving and maybe even, uh, you know, and this is more of a thought, but incorporate the Champions Week concept that went down in 2020 and, and maybe make that part of the regular season so you're not adding an extra game for the best team. Um, you're still having a championship game, but but that way, if uh, you know, maybe you make that part of your regular season schedule and eliminate the opportunity to play a 17th game for a few of these schools, and and because I think that's going to be part of the discussion about going eventually to 12 is you're asking a lot out of these student athletes to go and play a couple more rounds. Well, tell uh, me so, what's what's Jimmy Phillips' main complaint, and what's the ACC stance that's preventing uh, you know that's preventing the 12 team playoff. Yeah, that's that's exactly right, and it's it's in that area of of, of student athlete welfare that they've asked, uh, the, the, and then they don't have enough. They their stance, at least publicly, is that they believe there's too much um, uncertainty in areas like NIL and the transfer portal that need to be cleared up before they worry about expansion. And I think in some ways that's they're kind of dragging their feet. I, I think they really aren't related. Uh, they're not really they're mutually exclusive. So I don't know why he he's holding this up as much as he is. I think everybody wants in a playoff expansion. Um, the the real gripe and this it's really a small one at that is whether there should be all five Power Five champions and one Group of Five champion advance, or should it be the top six champions regardless of power or Group of Five status? And and so that's been a discussion too. And I think that's what Kevin Warren has been involved in. And, and re- really, in a normal year, that'll never be the case. Uh, the only two years where it was an outlier was in 2012 when Wisconsin was the third-place team in the East because Penn State and Ohio State were ineligible. And then in uh, 2020, which was a COVID year, when Oregon only played, I think, four games in the regular season. Those are the only uh, issues involving that. I don't think that's something that should be held up, and I think eventually it'll get smoothed out. And, and if you look at it on the other side, the group of five is losing its best teams to the Big 12. So yep. <laughs> it, it, you know, I don't know why the holdup is it's going to last. I think if, if the Big 10, which it should do, um, which it would have done under Jim Delaney, would stand up and say, we want to do it this way, I think everybody else would follow and then, of course, shake hands with the SEC and, and go at it. Let's uh, talk some basketball for a couple of minutes with uh, Scott Docterman. You got a favorite, and now that we're <laughs> hitting the halfway point of the Big Ten race, maybe who's the best team that you've seen so far? Wow, that's a, that's a great question. I think there's a lot of, I won't say so much parity, because that implies that these teams aren't very good, but watching Purdue the other night, the way they were able to win here at Carver-Hawkeye Arena and withstand a really sizable run by the Hawkeyes in the second half, I I really like the way they play, especially when Jaden Ivey's out on the floor and healthy. Um, I don't know if they'll be able to run the race and win the Big Ten championship, but I think that they may be the best and most consistent team in the league. And, and you're just kind of waiting, I think, you know, for Illinois to really pull forward and, and put together a really good run. Michigan State's got a lot of talent, and they've done some nice things. And, and you know, and we really don't know what to expect from Michigan. I mean, they played so poorly early on that you – you're like, how did this happen? And now they're putting that together. But I can tell you the team that I cover is, is an NCAA bubble team. There's no question about it. That, that they, if, as long as they beat the teams that they're supposed to beat, 
and pull off a, a win or two against an upper echelon team, I think they'll be in the NCAA. But otherwise, they are squarely on the bubble based on what I've seen here. And uh, but but as we know with the Big Ten, <laughs> you know you could go 12, 13 teams deep and have an oops moment. And uh, you know I think what Illinois is playing Northwestern today, and that could. Uh, you know, that, that could enter that frame of mind because I know Northwestern every now and then kind of comes up and bites the Illini. So I, I, do, I think probably uh, Purdue is the best team that I've seen, but, but Wisconsin is pretty good and Michigan State's up there and, and, of course, Illinois. As you watch Iowa, where is Bohannon in terms of his performance this year? And this is fifth year, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Oh, it's sixth year, actually. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah um, sixth year, so... Well. So it's crazy he's been around that long. Him and Brad Davidson, they need canes when they're going to leave the court. But um, he, he's he been um, a little inconsistent. They moved him off the point this year. That was a major reason why he actually returned. He wasn't going to, but uh, when C.J. Frederick left for Kentucky, they uh, they asked him, uh, you know, hey, if you want to stay, we'll move you to the shooting guard. But the problem is everybody knows what he can do out there. And so you know, when you've got Keegan Murray on the floor, who's one of the best players in the country, and then you you got Bohannon. Those are the two guys that get to attract the most attention. And the problem with Iowa is they've been in, inconsistent at their scoring out of anybody else. Chris Murray, Ke- uh, Keegan's twin brother, has come along and played really well. I think he's about a year behind the development from Keegan. And and so in some games they really do well. And then in others, uh, the the third level of scoring disappears, and that's why they get into trouble. So. Uh, but Bohannon, at times when they move him to the point, I think it, it works a little bit better. But um, I still think that they're trying to figure out their rotation and minutes and, and just who's going to be on the floor at what time. And, and in some ways, I think it's kind of hurt them. And, of course, rebounding, um, unless there's a lot of will and effort, they're going to get bounced on the, on the boards, as we saw in that game against Iowa, Illinois, way back in December. Always good stuff to talk about with Scott Doctor, but especially from September through uh... – April anyway, and (laughs) even in the off-season as well, there's always something going on regarding uh, Big Ten sports. We appreciate your time. All right, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, talk to you soon. Scott Docterman with The Athletic in Iowa City, 1022, a break, and back with more. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Back after this. Moving up on 1025, 217-356-9397 is the phone number. Going to jump in. Got a little open line segment now. Mike Small will join us. He's going to step out of golf practice this morning. Inside golf practice, I'm guessing. <laughs> All right. He might be hitting balls to the outside, but uh, they're inside. There's some new bays over there, I Yeah. Huh? They've got a new... Uh, so they can hit, them out, hit from inside to outside? They've got a new putting uh, gizmo going in that... Uh, with all kinds of cameras and different uh, statistical information there. Um, the NFL playoffs, the conference championship games are tomorrow. Do you have any expectation that those games will be no, <laughs> half as good? They can't be as good as last week. No, that was a once like a, that. That was a once a one after another lifetime thing on the same weekend. It was really, unbelievable. It was. It was. It was truly unbelievable. No, they can't possibly match up. The uh, Chiefs are a seven-point favorite over the Bengals. I'll be pulling for the Bengals, being an Ohio yeah, I, guy. I kind of, you know, I'm kind of leaning to the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, why. I don't dislike the Chiefs at all. I, I'm, you know, I, as far as uh, 49ers and Rams, I mean, I could. I'm okay either way. <laughs> yeah, 
And the uh, Rams are three and a half point favorite in that. We had a text about uh, interesting that no NFL guys have been out with COVID during the playoffs. Uh, did it disappear or did they stop testing? They stopped testing. Exactly. If you don't test, you don't find anybody, right? Right. And, you know, I, don't, I can't say this with 100% uh, uh, accuracy, but Illinois basketball shouldn't need to test again before the season's over because they kind of went through where they had nine or ten guys with it. We think Corbello's got it right now, don't we? We do. Yeah. So he he was one of the guys who evidently didn't test positive at the time. Frazier was another one that didn't test positive when they had ten that did. Right. So I worry that he, that he might come down now, but or maybe he's had it. I don't know. But I can tell you that if I hadn't tested, I I could have gotten by and never known I had it. You just had a little sore I throat? I might have suspected something because everybody else said, well, if you've got a sore throat. And I only had a sore throat for like two or three days. And and it just went away, and so I had it. And now it's over. I liked your voice with the uh, sore throat. <laughs> you could just sound a little bit Me like Johnny Cash, right? Well, the, yeah, or Lou Rawls or Barry White. <laughs> you could you could have gone down there and I could get that no, low note. Or Randy Travis. Problem was I couldn't. Yeah, Randy Travis. He's a sleeper. He is. He's, he could really get, hit the low notes. I sent you that song a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that, I know. Uh, it was great. That's it, a great song. It was an old Brooke Benton song, mm-hmm. and uh, I know he got, I know. He got way down there. <laughs> okay, we're not going to start singing for you. We're going to take a break at 1028 and then talk some golf with Illini golf coach Mike Small. We'll still have uh, open line time for you as well as we work our way to 11 o'clock here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. It is 1030 WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. With you until 11 o'clock. We've talked a lot of Big Ten football and basketball so far on the show. And I look at the uh, temperature at 17 degrees and a wind chill of 4 degrees. It makes me want to talk about golf. So <laughs> let's do that with Illinois golf coach Mike Small, who is in practice right now with his guys, getting set to open the season next week. I thought maybe you could use a little break and talk to a couple of guys here. Smalley, how you doing this morning? Good morning, Steve. Always happy to step out for a few minutes and catch up with you guys. So um, you got the guys. What are they doing this morning in practice? Well, we are uh, started out with some, some drills, obviously. To worked on some distance control early in the morning, and now we're just competing. We're trying to get out the competitive juices and see how they react under certain situations and different shots and pressures uh, leading into next week. So, you know, this time of year you can't really build a lot of uh, technique. you got to master and you got to really – fine-tune where their competitiveness is and where their mindset is and if they're playing hitting shots fearlessly or a little bit scared of situations so we're trying to put them in as much um i guess intense if you will situations uh inside it's not real golf but we put them in situations that may be more difficult than real golf and and a little more nerve-wracking try to be and uh see how they respond and build up some toughness leading into this season starting next week You've got some state of the art, state of the art equipment over there at the Demersion Golf Facility, and some new stuff too. Get us updated on what the guys are working with. Well, we have the, we've had the building now for what probably fourteen years. It's mm-hmm. Amazing how time flies. Yeah. But it's been awesome in our development and our ability to practice and train on days like this. Obviously, we can't play the game, so we have to emulate it and and uh, I don't know, practice it as closely as we can to. To, to playing golf, so you can't replicate the, the exact same thing. 
But what we did uh, about a year and a half ago, we had a generous gift um, to uh, expand immersion, add three more bays to give our players and the women's team a little more space to practice. But also we have put in uh, some putting studios that we hadn't had before. You know, the indoor short game and putting area is awesome for competing and working on some drills and pitching and chipping and, and light putting. But when you work on technique and actually work on um, what makes the ball go where you want it to go on the greens, we needed some to update some technology. So uh, we added a Sam putting lab and we added a virtual green with, with putt view. So we can actually uh, work on technique when we want to. Now, now, now these things, you have to be careful how often you do it um, because you don't want to be too worried about your technique. But the Sam putting lab actually works on what's behind the golf ball, your delivery numbers, your putter numbers, um, on what's coming into impact and what kind of effect it has on the roll. And then the putt view um, along with uh, the virtual green is a, is a, is a mechanical motorized platform that can change all kinds of breaks um, that you can imagine on a, about a 15 foot putt or less. And, um, and it, uh, a projector shines light on the green at the intended uh, the line um, and pace you want to hit it depending on what break you put into the computer. So that, that technology, the virtual green is used to practice what's in front of the golf ball, working on your imagination, creativity, matching your line you visualize with the speed you visualize and uh and practice making putts that way so between the two additions you can work on your putting uh on what's behind it and what's in front of it and um it's something we had to do a lot of the programs in the country already had those um our building wasn't equipped with that and we built the building we didn't really factor in the space to build these studios so with a generous gift obviously and we've had a lot of those over the years people are really supportive of our program and of the players uh, with that gift we came in and uh, we added about another, I'd say, 4,000 square feet, maybe a little more, um, yeah, maybe five, uh, to uh, to the ability to uh, to work on areas of our game. Well, Coach, uh, have you have have the players been outside at all recently or since Christmas time? I mean, did you did, were were you able to get uh, maybe some trips uh, individually or as a team uh, over over the Christmas vacation? Yeah, uh, most of them, I think. I think everybody played in an event. Um, during the semester break. Uh, some played in Europe, in Spain, um, mm. a couple, but uh, most of them played in Florida right before Christmas and then uh, in either in Florida or Arizona afterwards. Um, there was amateur events to play in. Obviously, it cost some, cost some money and some effort to get to there, but I think all the guys were on board and trying to keep their games in gear. Um, so, yeah, they, they played. Now, we haven't played as a team yet. We haven't taken a trip. Our first trip is next weekend, so... Um, after that, we get going pretty pretty heavy the rest of the spring. But right now, it's, uh, we're we're inside, uh, addressing personal you know individual issues in our in our instructional time. But on days like this, we're just trying to peel back the onion and see what's inside and just uh, compete with what they have and and realize that um, you know not you don't have to be perfect to play good golf, but you got to be you got to you got to have the mindset, the competitiveness, and your and your your attitude correct uh, in, in order to maximize that ability. What is it? Uh, how many returnees do you have from last year? Well, I got uh, I got three new players in. I have three new freshmen in from last year, and then um, all the returners are back except for we lost Michael Fiegels and Giovanni Tatiato, who are two seniors who played in two Final Fours, and and uh, Michael's even having a great start as a professional. So uh, we're going to miss those guys. Now we played last fall without them, and uh, we had a, we had three solid events last fall and one one subpar event. Um, the rankings and the coaches' rankings got us like 15th in the country, and um, uh, you know I think at times we play better than that, and at times we don't play that well. So we, we need to develop some consistency. And with the returners we have back, with Adrian Demonte Chassart, who's 
the reigning Big Ten Player of the Year. Um, you put him with Jerry G, um, who is also an All-American. Those two are All-Americans last year. We have a good, a good solid force at the top. We need to develop some depth. And, um, you know, we got uh, Pearson Hunt, who played really well for us last fall. He won the last event of the year down at Isleworth in Orlando against the National Field. He's a sophomore. He's come on a really uh, came on really strong last fall. He helped us kind of move on past our little downfalls last fall. And then Tommy Cool is the other returner that that played on our in our squad last year. So uh, the fifth spot's wide open, if you will. And uh, we, have, we have three new freshmen and a couple other guys that are vying for that spot. And and um, our success over the years, Lauren, has been because we've had some depth and we've had guys that may have a bad day or a bad tournament. Other somebody else picks them up. And um, we didn't have much of that in the fall, so we need to uh, we need to get back in that and develop that. And um, uh, another thing we have to deal with is Jerry Jerry G, like the All American I just referenced. Um, he dislocated dislocated his shoulder last fall, so he's been in rehab for the last month and a half, trying to figure out where he's at. So he's the one player that actually did not play over Christmas. And um, but we're gonna get him out next week and see how it comes, see how the rehab's coming. And if he's back in the lineup and anywhere near he was before, we should be competitive. But we need that depth. Got to get a shout-out to uh, Thomas Peters. He had a big uh, win last week, and I'm sure that uh, you followed along with that. And uh, that is, I guess that's probably the biggest win of his career so far. Yeah, he's had, he's had six European Tour wins. He, yeah. He had one this last fall, uh, his fifth. So, um, you know, we've always known Thomas, even when he was at Illinois winning the NCAA championships, he's world-class talent. And, uh, and, you know, when he gets everything aligned and gets in a happy place, he's as good as anybody in the world. And uh, he showed it last week in Dubai. Um, I think he won 1.3 million and um, up to top 30 or 35 in the world golf rankings now. So as of right now, it looks like he's going to be in all the majors. He'll be in the masters. He'll be in uh, all four majors this year. And he, he, he does want to get back over and play golf more in the U S moving forward. He had a little stretch there where he was kind of pretty playing, I guess, pretty comfortable in, in Europe and enjoying playing over there and kind of learning how to handle his life with the success he's had. I think he's figuring all that out, and he's in a he's in a really good place. He's had a he's had a baby now, and life his life is maturing and settling down for him. And I think he wants to uh, use some of this maturity and some of the success he's having now to get back over to the U.S. and play. So I think this summer the Illini fans and golf fans in general will be able to see Thomas playing the year in, in in the U.S. a little more. And Nick Hardy too, he got his PGA Tour card, so uh, he's making his debut. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, Nick's getting better all the time. There's another. When he played at Illinois, he's a two-time Big Ten champion and multiple All-American and, and helped us get to like three or three Final Fours, I think. So, you know, there's there's, there's, there's no coincidence why we've, we've been good over the years because we've had good players. And these guys have had the ability to continue to grow and improve and embrace the expectations that come with every level they go to. And um, those guys are going to have solid careers. Nick's just a type A personality, get down and dirty, grind it out. And But he's a rookie in the PJ Tour, so he's learning, he's learning the – the breaks in and out and how to do things. But, um, you know, the old saying goes on the PGA Tour, you're just one week away from, from getting it done. You just need one good week, and then the whole world opens up. And um, and then you got Thomas Dietrich still over in Europe, too, who right. finished in the top 30 in Europe last year, the top top 60 or 70 player in the world. So, you know, those guys are, 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 having, are having good runs. And even some of the guys that played for us in the past that had their PGA Tour cards that have, you know, kind of that have lost their card, it's not – out of the question or out of the, out of the norm to come back and get it back. I mean, a, a professional golf career is a is a roller coaster ride over 30 years, and um, it's 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 a tough it's a tough go. But um, we're still keeping in touch with everybody and and pulling for him. But uh, but right now Thomas is uh, 
is leading that path right now. What's new over at the Atkins Golf Club? I know that you're busy with getting your team ready, but uh, you certainly keep an eye on things going there. When do you think you guys might uh, tee it up over there? I think we're going to tee it up this spring. Um, I I don't have day-to-day operations at at Atkins. Uh, Jackie Simoniak is running that, and she's hired a great staff. Um, Over there in the pro shop and on the grounds and the superintendent, they're doing a wonderful job uh, transitioning the course from Stone Creek to the Atkins Golf Club and implementing the changes that we designed and that, that, that I was a part of and, and kind of maybe, you know, take, taking the course to another level, uh, changing the playability of it so it's better for our players. But it's also, I think, a better experience and more fun experience for the, uh, for the public. So um, I'm not in those meetings day to day. Jackie's doing that. But from what I gather and what I hear, we're going to be out there this spring and the, and the public is going to have access this summer. And, um, you know, it, it, that place has always been great to us. It's been a great place to play over the years, but I think now it's going to have a different personality. Uh, university, orange and blue, Illini-themed uh, facility where you can celebrate the history of Illinois athletics and Illinois golf while going out and playing a golf course that's going to be well-conditioned, play a little firmer and fast than before, and give everybody a challenge from, from, from all the different tee boxes. So it's an exciting time, and um, but it's been a what about a year and a half now in transition, and um, a lot of work is done to the course, Steve. I mean, all the bunkers have been redone and repositioned. Um, that was that, that was one of the sore spots with the with what with, with, with before was the, uh, the condition of the bunkers and the and the trouble with the upkeep and and the renovation of the bunkers now is going to enable the club to not have to spend so much time and money uh, getting the bunkers back into shape when it rains um, and and when bad weather comes through. So that's going to free them up to do a lot more uh, a lot of other things that will help the help the course be a fun place for the public. Somebody asked me last week, hey, what do you think about them moving the tees back at Stone Creek? I said, I'll never see them. <laughs> That's for somebody else. <laughs> well, there's going to be, I think, five sets maybe. So there's going to be tees for everybody. And I think that's great about the game. You don't have to, the tees moving back to 7,500 yards is going to be for our guys and for tournaments that we host and for top players that want to go out and push themselves. So there's a place in town that can be done now. There's there's no courses in this area that can stretch out that far. And with the equipment going the way it is, that's what golf, that's what we need for our team. So, but there's going to be tee boxes all the way down into the, I'm sure into the 5,000 range where uh, people can still go out and have a good time, um, you know, tee it forward and, and, but, but, but still play a golf course and some greens. that will be fun, fun to putt and, uh, and just fun to play. Let me ask you a national question because there was a period of time when, well, we saw tennis slip, and then we've seen golf uh, slip during periods of time. Is the last year, uh, a, 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 what's been the status of golf? Has it been regaining uh, during, the, dur- during the pandemic? Yeah, Lauren, from what I've heard um, in the discussions I've been in at places I've been around the country, golf is booming since the pandemic started. People, people uh, it was the one activity that the government really didn't put a hold on and right. took you down say you couldn't do and they were busting at the seams and I know all the courses and all the pros in Chicago last summer and then even the summer before but just off the charts the number of rounds played um and uh so I think it's very strong and and matter of fact if you speak right now I think this week was the PGA merchandise show in Orlando um I didn't get a chance to go because it's obviously here with the team but um a lot of the vendors are back the companies are back um demand is way up for equipment demand is way up to play uh companies are having trouble getting getting equipment um, because of the, uh, the uh, you know, the, the delivery <laughs> problem. Yeah, the delivery logistical problem around the world. But um, people are going crazy over it, even in the South right now. So 
I think people got reinvigorated and, um, you know, got, got reacquainted with the game and realized that it can be a lot of fun. It can be great for families. It can be great for just get out and get some exercise. So when this pandemic calms down, we'll see if it can continue. But um, from what all the, I'm, what I'm hearing, arrows are pointing up for golf. We'll let you go with this, but I, I need to ask you about our friend Steve Stricker. He, uh, as people may know now, had to, quite a health scare late last year, early this year. Have you talked to him lately, and how's he doing? I have. We 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 uh, exchanged a, a good amount of texts yesterday, and uh, uh, yeah, we all know what great job he did with the Ryder Cup and winning the Ryder Cup as a captain and being in the in the really in the forefront of the golf world competitive golf golf world all last fall and i think it wore him out it just physically just got to him and um uh, he had a little bout with some uh, a virus that they still don't know what it was and he's got uh, just this week he got cleared to, to 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 pick up his activities and and get out and he's lost a lot of weight and some strength but um he was pretty sick there for a while and it was trying to you know he wanted to keep it quiet he's a pretty private person which we all respect and but now he's uh he's kind of been given a little bit of leeway to get out and and pick his pick the pace up and get his game back. So now he's got a couple months to get his strength and his game back, and he'll be back out playing. But um, I think it's going to end well. But there was a time there that talking to his wife Nikki and and um, you know it, it wasn't looking very good for them. People didn't know what it was. He was in the hospital for shoot a couple of weeks. So um, we're all thankful the prayers were answered, and he's on his way back. And he had it seemed like he was in good spirits yesterday. And um, I think in the summer it will all be behind him. That's great to hear. Mike Small, we'll let you get back to practice. Always appreciate your time. Good luck uh, next week on the uh, start of the spring season, and we'll catch up with you again soon. Thanks, guys. I always appreciate talking to you, and thanks for bringing up golf in, hey, uh, in January. I'd like, to see, I'd like to see Kelly on that motorized platform. <laughs> well, we may have to do that someday. Who knows? We, we may need some entertainment, Lawrence. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Lawrence, they put you and me on that putting thing, and oh, it'd, no. it'd go haywire. <laughs> I can't even put them when it's straight. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. All right, guys. We'll see you. Yeah. That's Illinois Golf Coach Mike Small with us. Always appreciate his time. 1046. We'll take a break. We've still got an open line going until 11. If you want to jump in, we're back after this. 1049. Anything left on your mind, folks? Give us a call. 217-356-9397. If you have anything you want to chat about here in the next uh, seven or eight minutes on Illinois Pella Saturday Sports Talk, we've talked Basketball, high school, and college with Scott Ritchie. Also talk Big Ten basketball with Jess Settles. Big Ten football and basketball with Scott Docterman from The Athletic out in Iowa City. We just talked some Illini golf with Mike Small in his 22nd season. Oh, man. As head coach. In half of those years, he won Big Ten championships. Seems like more. Yeah, it does seem like more. Seems <laughs> like he won it every year. Yeah, there was a time there. It got off a little bit of a slow start when he uh, – First came off tour to uh, to take that job and succeed Ed Beard as head coach of the uh, Fighting Illini golf team. They play in the uh, Tenervin Cup down in Florida against Illinois State a week from today. And that starts their uh, spring schedule, which is a pretty good spring schedule. The Big Ten Championships this year over at French Lick, Indiana. And uh, that's a great golf course over there. So a lot coming up for the men's and women's golf teams here in the spring season, the tennis teams and gymnastics. There's a, a lot going on right now. Illinois basketball this afternoon at uh, 3.30, the Illini and Northwestern. And no, we don't know if Kofi is playing or not. We do know one thing we learned yesterday that, uh, and you probably heard uh, some of this clip or 
uh, all of it perhaps, or parts of it, but uh, Brad Underwood was pretty fired up when he sat down at his already uh, scheduled um, Zoom press conference yesterday to talk about uh, the ball game. Before he got to that, he talked about the fact that uh, Trent Frazier was not listed on the Naismith Basketball Defensive Player of the Year watch list, and here is some of what the coach had to say. Obviously, nobody has a clue what defense is. Obviously, they don't talk to college coaches. More than likely, our style of play probably doesn't allow him to get enough steals. But they look at all the wrong numbers. They don't look at the opponents that he guards numbers when he plays them because usually it's a night off for that per- for that person. Really, really disappointed. Uh, he's the best defender in the country. I look at what Io DeSumo is doing in the NBA. He's number one in terms of guys – uh, guys guarded in ball screen usage and, and, and effectiveness, and Trent Frazier is better than him. And uh, obviously our style of play hurts him, but uh, I want it out there publicly. It's not a defensive player of the year award, in my opinion, if he's not on it. Uh, I'm, I'm ticked off. I'm frustrated. Uh, I'd like to know who the committee is that, that puts that nonsense together. Uh, but it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's obviously not intelligent people who – who are uninformed about styles of play and how, how defense truly impacts winning. You looked up when he said non-intelligent people. <laughs> well, you know, uh, he's been pushing uh, Fraser for two years. Yes, this, he has. This just, just didn't happen this week. He's He's been trying to get people to recognize how, and I think we have. I think we understand that he's a, he's a very good defensive player, but I, I don't know how, uh, I don't know who's on the committee for the Naismith uh, Defensive Player of the Year, and I do know that that there are considerations like things like steals that mm-hmm. are important because what what other numbers do you have to go by? And we talked about it early uh, in the show that if you or I were on that, we would have a tough time with it too because we don't uh, oh. we don't watch the game the way a coach does certainly, or that know about uh, who. Uh, players don't like to go against. It'd be nice to be able to get their opinions on it. Well, what you have too in 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 basketball across the country is an awful lot of switching. Yeah. And when when play one, you, you say, well, who guarded so and so? Well, he guarded him until there was a switch, pick and roll, and they and they switched, and all of a sudden he's not guarding. Him, yeah. You know. Let's go back to the phones. Jim is with us in Urbana. Good morning, Jim. Hello. Good morning, guys. I was uh, just calling in to see if. To get your opinion or opinions of what you think of the new quarterback Syracuse and how he might stack up with, let's say, Brandon Peters. Um, um, and second question, kind of follow up is: Do you think he's the guy, or do you think there's still the possibility that it might bring somebody else in um, this year? So, just be interested. I really. I get the feeling he's kind of a traditional quarterback, but I haven't really heard too much about him. Well, I, I think he's got good stats. He's, he is uh, definitely – I don't think they're going to bring anybody else in. I think he's the guy that they have chosen to be the starter this coming year. And I think that he is probably very comparable to Peters. I think that they're similar in a lot of ways. In fact, a lot of ways. And I think he uh, – uh, I think Peters could run a little better than – he was ever given credit for, and I think the same thing is true of DeVito. DeVito uh, is not quite as tall as Peters, mm-hmm. but seems to be a pretty good athlete. So, yeah, I, I say that comparison. And don't forget about Art Stutkowski. He's, he's going to be in the mix. He's not going yeah. to be in spring ball. Yeah, he'll, he'll but, be back, and 
you know, and he'll be back in the fall. We were confident yeah. after the two surgeries with shoulder and arm. But um, I, I think they're they're planning to go with Devito, and they're they're going to run him in in uh, spring practice, and we'll, then we'll find out uh, just what they think of him. I mean, I, I'm sure that he, I I'm, I know that they think he's the guy. Anything else, Jim? Uh, so does he have one or two years left, Devito? Good question. I have to check on that. I don't know if he's a grad. I want to say he's got two. Well, two th- 2020 doesn't count. True. And the question is, did he redshirt somewhere in there? Yeah. Um, so I think it's two at least, and uh, but I'm not 100% sure. So. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah, appreciate the call. I think if you're, uh, you know, unless it's just a superstar, you'd like to find a guy that has more than one year left mm-hmm. for that position anyway. Yeah. We've been... For the for a number of years we've been kind of now Peters was there for three years so mm-hmm. that's that doesn't carry over now but we have been bouncing from one quarterback to an, to another for several years prior to that. Yep. Ten fifty six. We'll take one final break and Lauren and I will be back with some final words on this edition of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. After this, stay with us. The Illini football coaches were on the road this past week. You may have seen some social media photographs of them at. Uh, Various stops around the state. They're getting out there, aren't they? Well, yeah, they're keeping a lot of contacts with mm-hmm. Illinois coaches, and that's good. And you're hopeful that in years in the future that this will pay dividends. Big Ten basketball schedule today. Four games on the Saturday list. Michigan at number 10, Michigan State. That By the way, game who are you picking up? that game? I, just, I know it's on TV. Everybody's picking Michigan State. That's what, what? I would do. Would you? Uh-huh. I think Michigan's got a real chance, but... Yep. Uh, uh, I I think Michigan's only got three losses in the conference. They haven't played all their games. They right. got a lot of games to make up, but um, I still think they're dangerous. I, I, I think they are too, no doubt. I, I don't know if they'll win the conference, but they might have a say in who Hutch, does. But um, Hutchins, uh, he, Hutchins hasn't had the kind of year that I expected. He's he's in fact he struggled the other day against Northwestern. I think he only had nine points, didn't he? So Michigan and Michigan State at 11.30, Indiana at Maryland at 1.30, Illinois at Northwestern at 3.30 with our pregame coverage beginning at 1.30, and Rutgers at Nebraska at 5.30. Thanks again to our guests on the show today, Scott Ritchie, Jess Settles, Scott Docterman, and Mike Small. For Lauren Tate, we're going to wrap things up. Thanks to Dave Leak, our producer. We appreciate you listening on WDWS 93.9 FM. Champagne or Banner. This is Steve Kelly. Have a good weekend, everybody.